Hi, Tony Bellamy. Welcome to WJAZ Just Coolin'. We have an exciting show. We are uh, uh, the, the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a show on uh, the great Betty Davis, um, otherwise known uh, before she was Betty Davis. Uh, she was a jazz funk rock singer. She was born July 12th, 1945. She says 1944, July 26th, 1945. Um, who was Betty Davis? She was a, a, a funk rock singer, model, and songwriter primarily. Okay, uh, She began songwriting as a child at age 12 and um, uh, uh, grew up in, in Pittsburgh. Okay, um, Into talent shows, would sing to her friends and everything. And that's what she wanted to do. Uh, she wanted to become a songwriter. And as I said, entered local talent shows. Um, by the time 1967 comes around, she graduates from high school and, you know, decides, you know, she wants to move to New York City. She goes to FIT because Betty Davis is a beautiful young lady, okay? She's uh, red bone, uh, you know, uh, tall, vivacious, uh, smart, got this beautiful flowing fro and, you know, she was a go-getter. She knew what she wanted. Okay, so she moves to New York City in 1967. Has her first song uh, picked up by uh, the Chambers Brothers, and it was called "Uptown um, Uptown in Harlem." Okay, that's the first song. It's, it's picked up 1967. Instant success, right? So, in the same time, 1967, uh, she's a well-known on the fashion scene, and had relationships with Robert Palmer. Eric Clapton, and meets Jimi Hendrix, okay? So there's a lot going on. And then she moves on into Hugh Masekela, uh, he of Grazing in the Grass, former uh, the jazz trumpeter from South Africa, okay? So uh, she's, she's got all this happening, um, and, you know, this is 1967, just moving into the city. Um, she goes to a jazz club, uh, Blue Note, and uh, Miles Davis is playing. She meets Miles, didn't like his music, but loved his shoes, okay? And, uh, you know, they kind of strike it up. And But here's the thing, she loved his shoes, okay? She follows Miles Davis that night up to his, his West Side apartment, West Side home, and uh, knocks on the door. Uh, so he answers along with um, Cicely Tyson, and and he tell she tells him supposedly the story says uh, that he when you get rid of her, I'll be back. Whoa, <laughs> that was Betty Davis in your face. Okay, so she leaves Hughes Massacilla, begins a relationship with Miles, and you know uh, she's twenty four, Miles is forty two. Okay, and uh, Miles marries her. Okay, he marries her. Okay. Um, Miles, at the same time, she's influencing Miles to get more into a, a rock image and, and into fusion. So she throws out all of Miles' suits, okay? Tells him he should start dressing like more like a Jimmy uh, Hendrix, more like a Sly Stone. And, and Miles goes with it, okay? And at the same time, he's starting more interest in uh, into the fusion world. All right, and she's really influencing him. Miles is influencing her, telling her at the same time that she should stop writing and start performing her own music. All right, so Miles uh, has this album called Fillets to Kilimanjaro, has Betty Davis as the cover. No surprise because he did the same thing with Cicely Tyson. All right, so this young lady's got a lot of things happening. 
uh, he's 24, he's 42, 1969. Well, guess what? They divorced. No surprise, okay? Um, but before that happened, she influenced Miles, as I said, into the fusion music. Uh, Miles comes out with this album he's going to call Witches Brew. She tells him, call it Bitches Brew. Miles said, yeah, you know that? That'll work. And so the rest is history, as they say. So as I said, 1969, she they get a divorce. Uh, Miles said because he accuses her of having a relationship with Jimi Hendrix. She says it was the worst year in her life uh, because of um, Miles was violent toward her. In other words, he was supposedly beating her, okay? Um, which was unfortunate, all right? Um, but at the same time, after that experience with Miles, she um, then decides to produce her own music and come up with her own funk band. Some of the people are in that band are like uh, from Sly and the Family Stone, uh, the, the band Cream. Uh, she, she's got some top musicians recording her. And by the way, Miles arranges, does the arrangements for some of these, for some of these, uh, uh, some of her music. Uh, matter of fact, her first album was 1973, was Betty Davis. Uh, 1974, They Say I'm Different. And 1975, Nasty Girl. Now, Betty Davis said this was, she's going to put her whole soul and everything into producing these albums. Now, you got to say when you hear some of these songs, they say I'm different, nasty girl, big freak, um, that maybe she could have been talking about Miles and something. I'll never know. When I first saw Betty Davis in 1975, it was based off of uh, Nasty Girl. And I remember seeing that cover. I said, whoa. Uh, she had on high boots, the fro, lying there, um, you know, very provocative. And I, I was like, well, okay, that's cool, but can she sing? Yeah, she could. And her music was 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 way ahead of its time. Very, very funky. But to see Betty Davis, you, and I just said it, you had to see Betty Davis perform. She had on these um, high-heeled, um, you know, boots that stretched up. Okay, fireman boots, I guess you would call them. And then she had on uh, shorty shorts, fro, earrings, and she used, used the microphone gyrating across the, the stage. And, you know, the audience was in awe. You know, some people said, whoa, what, what is this? You know, you know, guys were dropping down. and But um, some of the audience was, was in awe. Some, you know, whoa, what, what is this? Now, with all this going on, the record executives didn't dig what she was doing. Okay. They said, you know, you need to change your clothes and fit in and, and be more Diana Ross-like, you, know, um, you know, because this is too much in your face. Betty Davis was a very independent woman. Okay, she's ahead of her time. She she would say, no, 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 no. Um, but at the same time, the NAACP was protesting against her and telling black radio stations not to play her music. Okay, and um, they, so they didn't. Okay, uh, black radio and Soul Train wasn't calling. So Betty Davis was not getting the success she needed uh, in the USA. Now, Betty Davis once said, you know, stars... Um, starve and suffer in silence, okay? And, um, you know, it, it, she became um, uh, very disillusioned about the music scene. And at the same time, her father passed away. So she returned back to Pittsburgh in 1975, like dropped out of the scene, had a nervous breakdown, and was, some say, walking around in slippers in Pittsburgh and with white makeup. And her mother had her committed to a psych ward, okay? 
Eventually she recovered, which was great, all right? And um, she decided to go back into the music industry, uh, return, recorded in, uh, in Japan. Like a jazz musician, she was trying to get something else happening, uh, but it didn't work out either. So 1980 that was, Betty Davis just completely dropped out of the scene for like 35 to 40 years, okay? Up until a British film producer who had heard her music, uh, you know, her performances were legendary and, you know, her, you know, said, wow, you know, what happened to Betty Davis? That was, you know, who had become the, I guess, the Greta Garbo uh, completely disappearing. OK, so he finds her and convinces her to do interviews. And he does this um, movie called They Say I'm Different, uh, which was the title of one of her albums, comes out in 2017. OK, um, Betty Davis, you know, when you see the movie, if you ever do. You should. You see that she has changed. Things are not the same. I mean, she's living in a, a like a, a senior apartment, uh, a real low key life. Um, not the rock star, you know, former rock star looking. Um, but you know, she's gone through some things. And uh, but needless to say, uh, that's the documentary. The other side was. The other uh, point I, I made, I, I also looked into information called tours of, of, a t of a tour bus about Betty Davis, which was kind of funny. It was an animation and it, it talked about how Betty Davis was. And it was it was funny. One part was that, you know, she had an interview and, you know, you know, said, you know, I'm a nasty girl in, in the album. And she said, yeah, I smashed a few guys, you know, so what? You know, it, you know, Betty Davis did not did not. Uh, in her music, ever say she was the victim? Okay, she was not the victim. She was she was telling you, uh, this is how I feel, and, and this is what's up. Okay, um, but at the same time, I you know it, it was a little too much ahead of time before Grace Jones and uh, you know and all the the um, performers that you see today. She was doing that back in the early seventies. You know, packing clubs traveling and it, it it just wasn't happening as i said black radio the executives were against her and she just in you know NAACP all of these different things were happening for Betty Davis okay but she was an incredible musician okay besides the lifestyle her music was incredible i would tell you to see the documentary um they they say i'm different which was released in 2017 it's it's a worth it's worth it to see um, Betty Davis now lives a quiet life in uh, Pittsburgh, okay? Not many people knowing that they have an international, uh, I would say, a superstar. She contributed to the music greatly. I hope you get a chance to check out Betty Davis, and I hope you enjoyed the show about Betty Davis. It was, it was uh, thought-provoking, and her music was just as incredible. As I said before, you see, they say I'm different, I'm nasty girl, and Betty Davis, uh, uh, all albums. She also released another album in 1979. It was finally released just in the 2000s. Anyway, it's been real. You've been most regular. I hope you, hopefully, you've enjoyed the show. I enjoyed doing this about Betty Davis, and uh, that's it. It's been real, and you've been most regular. Have a great day.